Hey, Clay. So we made it to this episode called Minefield, and now we've learned that baseball, we learned in DS9 that baseball no longer exists in this century uh, of the Federation or humanity's existence because well, Cisco pines for baseball and he just can't do it. Uh, baseball soccer. might not exist in this era either, given the way things are going. No, oh, sure. <laughs> the coronavirus, they have to retcon that so the coronavirus yeah. cancels it out or something like that. But soccer or football does exist in the 22nd century with uh, with Archer and them, where Malcolm betrays his heritage and says that he's not interested in watching football uh, when Archer's trying to make some small talk with him. But are you surprised that soccer outlasted baseball in this universe? Um, I guess I haven't really thought. I was more surprised that that it wasn't a setup for a joke where he's like, soccer, sir? And he's like, no, the World Cup of water polo. <laughs> <laughs> it's in some some tiny country like Andorra is just the the world global champion right. of uh, of water polo or something like that. I guess I'm not yeah. super surprised. Soccer seems like it would. If I were to pick one sport to last longer than the other, I guess it would be soccer, just because of how global it is at this point, and it makes sense mm. that that would be kicking around still at that point. Although, um, do you ever watch soccer? Do you ever watch the World Cup when it's on football? Um. <clears throat> The World Cup is generally the only time I watch soccer. Uh, I've got a few friends who are really into it, but it's just never really grabbed me. But um, championship soccer is is a lot of fun, much like the Stanley Cup is the best version of hockey to watch. Yeah. Uh, the times I've watched soccer when it's been a championship game or whatever has been really fun. Yeah. No, it's um. there's nothing unique about this. I like soccer except for the... Uh so, like everyone makes this point, but like the incredible amount of flopping that happens in soccer, just kind mm. of, it's like, I, I'd be, I'd almost, I almost respect flopping in like American football more. Cause at least there's like a threat <laughs> of violence to it. You know, like you can, sure. you can kind of fake that someone had done that to you, but soccer is just so like, it's like, let's be men, gentlemen, <laughs> let's man up and not just pretend that someone, you know, took you out at the knees when they just slightly rubbed against you or something. It's, it's, I find that very irritating. I don't know how Europeans feel about it. Maybe they're used to it or something, but I find it excruciating. Yeah, I my problem with soccer per, personally has always been it's the it's the field is too big, so it makes the game feel a lot slower to me. Mm hmm. It's like slow hockey. Also, it's like a slow version yeah, of hockey. It's yeah. like a slow, it's like it's like a pong video game pong version of hockey. And uh it also the fact that they're just like fine with a zero zero tie has <laughs> just always bugged me. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a hell of a match if it's a zero zero tie. It's like the, the yeah. defense and, and the offense just and like clicking. the number of championship or like playoff soccer games that I've seen decided by a penalty kick, mm -hmm. just it's like, ugh, there's nothing less satisfying than either winning or losing because of a penalty kick where you get to kick the ball point blank at a goalie who has to defend like a 25 foot goal. Yeah. Yeah. But. You know, now, it is what it is. Now, all Americans just grow up playing soccer, and then you just abandon it at a certain point, and you move on. I to know. It's else. weird. Yeah. Every 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 kid in America plays soccer till they're like 12, and mm -hmm. then most of them do something else. You you play it until you are right before the age where you could actually start applying tactics to it. Like, right, when little kids right. play, it's just a bunch of kids chasing a ball. There's no spacing or, like, no passing yeah. or anything like that. It's just a bunch of kids running. Anyway, let's and get into... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's, it's the cheapest way to tire your kid out, right? Because yeah. it's... 
baseball baseball requires like focus. Uh, but yeah. soccer, you just drop the ball and you'll just let them run, and then they you know, give an orange slice and they go to sleep when they get home. Right. The coaches for baseball have to come up with like a batting order. They have to mm. think about who's going to pitch after this kid throws three innings of fifty hit ball. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, it's and it's a great it's a great experience for the for the parents too with soccer because they get to yell kick it right kick it you know. Mm. Which you don't really get to do during baseball. The but. orange, uh, the orange lobby gets to mark up their prices because everyone needs <laughs> right. to make some oranges that we can slice right. up and put in our mouths like a clown. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's take a break. We'll talk about minefields. We're going to play a clip from the episode, and then we'll come back and we'll break it down. It's armed with tricobalt explosives. I think it's a mine. And judging by the firepower, something similar damaged our ship. Can you tell if it's active? No reason to believe it's not. Captain. It's Lajner Impulse Reactor 2. An explosion anywhere near there could disable Enterprise. What if we polarize the adjacent hull plating? We don't know how it's triggered. Somebody has to go out there and defuse it. And it should be me. I have the ordnance training. All right, so this is Minefield. It's the third episode of the second season of Star Trek Enterprise. It aired on October 2nd, 2002. In the uh, this episode is written by John Sheban. Do you recognize that name, Clay? By any chance? I do not. He's an X Files writer, I guess, f- fairly uh, prolific. But I, I don't know. I, I know that you've seen X Files, but uh, I don't recognize his name outside of that. Directed by James Contner in Universe State is unknown, but it's twenty one fifty two. In this episode, the Enterprise strays into a Romulan minefield and is disabled by a cloaked mine while deactivating another mine. Reed gets pinned to the ship's hull. He does indeed get stuck to the ship's hull. Uh, I watched this one with Amy for no reason. Uh, she's fairly hostile towards the show in the first place. Uh, I had it on when she, she just came. happened to be there. She, I don't really she, prefer to spend time with her or anything. She, she came home from a, a 12 hour, uh, coronavirus shift. Uh, oh God. She's, she's a nurse and I was, I, I had to watch this last night. So I, I made sure to turn it on 10 minutes before she got home so that I had claim to the TV. She sat down and mm-hmm. started watching it. Uh, that was a long way of saying, I don't know if it was their attitude or the end of a work day or the end of dealing with coronavirus or the episode itself. She had a lot of hostile background commentary <laughs> during this episode. <laughs> and I think I, um, it's funny to watch something like that with someone who doesn't care about it because I... I don't know if I feel defensive about it, but I'm like, this is Star Trek Enterprise. They always write shit mm-hmm. like this. <laughs> like, this is just mm-hmm. how it works. But I think she brought up some some really good points that really honed my my main criticism of this one is that I kind of like everything that's going on, except I don't like the entire sequence of them being stuck to the outside of the hull. Like, yeah. I like the concept. It's just there's nothing going on during that sequence that I care anything about. They're doing like the bare minimum of some kind of Reed and Archer interaction to show what those two characters are about. But it like, I don't feel it connects on any level. It's, it feels really kind of thoughtless in a lot of ways right, in that, like right. I personally find Reed to be incredibly obnoxious. And if I was Archer, I would Awful. just let him float away and blow up with this right. thing because he's, yeah. his attitude is unbearable and insufferable. what do you think about minefield? Yeah. I, I kind of wish there was a scene at the end where, with Archer and Trip, where Archer's like, he is awful, and then Trip's like, yeah, I told you, right? Um, no, yeah, I liked, I liked it. I thought it was, I, I had, the, I had the same opinion, dude. I think where I, I liked the setup, I liked what was going on, I liked most of the story. 
but that middle area where the, where it's just Reed being a fucking wet blanket, like the whole episode, <laughs> he's such a wet blanket. Yeah, he is. Oh, just leave me here to die, sir. Oh, my oh, grandfather God. died like my this. My great uncle went down with the ship, and now I must do the same. Yeah, I'm gonna unplug my air and die like a hero. Oh, Jesus, get yeah. the fuck out of here, man. Yeah. yeah, I know he's he's. It's a strange characterization for him. Yeah, really. It's really like strange. I, I keep coming back to our thing. I think we did in the wrap up where he should be an older character. I think like mm. much older than he is, older than Archer, and maybe that that makes a kind of sense. But he's he's such a downer. There's like yeah. the the opening sequence with him is almost. I continue to think that when they write scenes for him where they try to flesh him out, the writers are laughing about how little they actually know about Malcolm Reed. It's like right. there's, yeah. it's almost a parody. Those scenes about Archer trying to like come to, to terms with him or something, and Reed is such a negative nancy that he can't he's one of those people who like can't even fake being moderately happy at the brunch that his boss has asked him to it's like just put a fucking <laughs> right. just put a smile on your face dupe dipshit like what, right. what's the problem here yeah you're getting eggs benedict on a fucking starship <laughs> you're being served by this ensign who only brings the eggs out to archer every single time that we've seen him so get yeah. used to it it's just strange yeah. it's it's really fascinating because clearly the I assume, anyway, the point of this episode was to... It's almost like the writers have the same thoughts that we have, which it's like, oh, you know, we don't really know anything about this guy. We haven't really given him a lot of character. He's just sort of there, and we literally write every other character as not really knowing what he's about, so let's do an episode where we kind of get to the core of what he's about. I don't feel like I've learned anything new about him by the end of this episode. Yeah. He's just the same wet blanket he always was, and now he's got some nautical history. <laughs> right. I don't know. It's right. I, it's yeah. There's nothing, and he doesn't do anything to, in, to, make, uh, to endear him to me at all. Like, he... He doesn't team walks, up with Archer to really no to undo walks the mine. Through, he walks him through d- disabling the mine, and then every but other than that, he offers no help. He offers no suggestion. Yeah, everything that Archer suggests, he's like, "No, we can't do that." <laughs> and it's like, it's like, well, what you know, yeah. cut his leg off or something, you know, yeah. like you know, he, <laughs> get flocks out I here on the double. Yeah, get Flox out there with a laser, a laser saw. Cut his leg off at the just above the knee, uh, and you know you're good to go. Yeah, I um, him getting then let pinned, him whine in sick bay for the next six months. Him getting pinned to the uh, the ship is kind of unintentionally funny. I think in a lot of ways too, where the the little leg just gets out and impales him, and you know they they go through a lot of they go through a lot of uh, trying to sort of sort out the fact that this is possible and he won't die from his suit being punctured. You know, like the suit just kind of auto heals itself and it's, mm-hmm. it's healed around him and he's stuck there. Mm-hmm. And he's also, just to continue that, that sequence, the, the sequence where uh, he's talking to Archer and being in a wet blanket after he's pinned to the the hull, it, I, I just feel that the direction is bad there in terms of like directing the actors because Reed is acting like he's just kind of got his foot stuck in some bubble gum that he can't get away right. from. He's he's yeah. just like, and even when Archer brings out the painkillers, he's like, oh yeah, like give me a little bit of shot. I guess I should. Yeah. I guess I should have a little bit of shot. He's while this acting thing is through me. He's acting the same way he acted when he broke his ankle on that on that comet. Oh, that, 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 was like, oh. that was Mayweather. Right? He was. He was uh. 
<laughs> oh, that was Mayweather. That's Mayweather well, broke his it, leg, broke his ankle. They, they all run together in my in how their legs get hurt on the show. It's like I, you know, like I don't know if there's a way to like he's in extreme pain and that he can barely get it together to help Archer with this, but he. The, for the sheer, what's comical about it is that for the sheer violence, which is this metal thing just juts out, goes through his leg, blood explodes everywhere, and then it seals yeah. and he's stuck there. He is really comfortable just hanging right. out there. And then when, when he cuts him out, he just cuts him out with the bar and he stands up with the bar in his leg and, his, <laughs> and jumps on. Yeah. No, when that thing when that thing went through his leg, I said out loud, I was like, oh, shit, because I wasn't expecting that to happen. It's very and violent, his reaction yeah. is his reaction is... <sighs> And that's about it. Like, it, <laughs> Amy's like, yeah, it's through his femoral know. artery. He should be like filling with blood at this point. Yeah, I, I would love to have been there to listen to her comment on this episode. Because this <laughs> coming home from a long multi uh, 12 or 12 plus hour shift in a Corona uh, ward mm-hmm. and then coming home and listening to fucking Malcolm Reed whine about <laughs> his great uncle being afraid of water. That yeah, I. She wasn't happy. I I like. Um, <laughs> Needless to say, I uh, I can't use the TV for the next couple of days. <laughs> I have to be very um, precise with when I choose to watch an Enterprise episode. The um, this is supposed to be an Archer and Reed bonding episode, but like you said, I just don't. I don't think it it works really. Like they they continue to not really understand what Reed is. Reed's mm. Reed's definition as a character is based on the fact that you don't know anything about him so the the scenes where you're sort of talking to him is that he's he, he's really strange and i don't know if it's the performance too because when he's when he's written on the bridge he's written fairly standardly he's just kind of like stock star trek guy when he's on his own he's almost like autistic and how he approaches interacting with other people like he has no understanding of what's an appropriate reaction to the thing that people are saying to him in some ways. Right. Like he can't fake enthusiasm with Archer. He is at the end when he's like sort of um, criticizing all the decisions that Archer's making that he disagrees with. Like he's like, you're pretty lax on security and I think you're a fucking dickhead, but it's been a pleasure serving mm-hmm. with you. He, he just seems really um, hostile and it's not a hostility that you can pair with a like you see his skill set and you understand why he's a vital member of this team. Right. He doesn't have a positive to him that can offset this incredible negativity that you just find grating after a while. It's, it's just odd that he's doesn't, he's not even really the one that undoes the mine. You know, he doesn't overcome his leg. Mm-hmm. Archer has to do it because he's pinned to the floor. Uh, and, and if they're selling that Malcolm's knowledge is what propels Archer through it, there's only... I'll give you 30 seconds of someone explaining, pull this thing out one centimeter, turn it 127 degrees, and then put it back in before I'm like, this is enough. I don't need to watch this anymore. You know, I don't know. That, yeah. I, I think that middle sequence is just awful, but it's. I, I love the concept of the episode. I just hate where they chose to put the action for it. Yeah, I... Uh, the, the, that that sequence where he has to, we watch him one by one pull out each one of those like, digital lug nut thing with no measurement tools he's doing precise things with zero he doesn't have a protractor he doesn't have any kind of like right angle that he can can base things off of he's just doing incredibly precise stuff by hand in space with a giant set of like monkey clamps like a monkey wrench that he's dinking around with it's weird i know that uh reed refers to it as a caliper 
And when you said That's caliper, right. in my head, I pictured like the things that measure like millimeters and, and smaller or whatever. Oh, I think of the and, thing that makes a circle. Or is that that's a protractor, isn't it? Like you put the pencil uh, in and you draw it around pro, the point. Pro, protractor is is the half circle. Half with moon. The, that's the, what, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh and I so when when he said caliper and then he's got these giant like hedge clippers that he's turning the thing with it's like all right okay but you know i think the thing i i think the thing that would would have saved this to an extent anyway is if the idea at the end had been reed's with like if if right. they don't because reed is um being all uh uh self-pitying about his fate or whatever and uh wanting to go down with the ship like a punk and uh archers run out of ideas he can't do this thing the blah 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 and then for reed to actually like step up and be like okay if if archer's like i'm not leaving you here blah 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 blah, blah the ship uh, whatever i'm not leaving you behind and then so reed has now has to forcibly come up with a new plan and then he's like okay well even saying this is ridiculous because the plan they come up with is absurd <laughs> <laughs> if you go we'll get, get two shuttle doors and launch a saw, like if, if he came up with the solution, then I think that would save it a little bit because at least you've got a little bit of a character change. Yeah. Instead of him just well, that shows his value. His, that, that's the positive value right, that he has. Yeah. yeah. But instead, it just maintains his wet blanketness, and Archer has to save his ass after he offers no help whatsoever in how to do that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> other than read him a manual on how to defuse a, a space mine, yeah, uh, it's just yeah, it's like I don't I don't know how Archer comes out of that interaction with Reed feeling more uh, feeling closer to him or feeling more like camaraderie with him. If yeah. anything, he should be like next starbase. We, we're going back. We're going back yeah, home. Don't ever uh, don't ever let me go down to a planet with this guy again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. It's very strange. I mean, and and tying into the uh, the the ending solution is fairly ridiculous. Like, what all I could think yeah. about was, um, you see where the addition of relatively affordable CGI for these shows is now a hindrance to like believable storytelling in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, it's they wouldn't have been able to do this on DS9 or TNG because the practical effects would have either looked terrible or would have been too expensive for them to consider doing. But on Enterprise, because they can now do this, they have a cheap ability to make an explosion and then just, you know, sort of superimpose Archer and Reed getting blown away by it. Mm-hmm. They they do this idea where it's very Indiana Jones nuke in the fridge type thing where they're just like, yes. we'll just hold yes. up this wall. <laughs> it'll, it'll protect us. And that blasts them in. But at the same time, the more remarkable part is I don't really understand where they did they open the shuttle door and he and Travis flew the ship around so that they I, would be propelled yeah, into the know. shuttle bay. <laughs> I think I think Travis caught them like a catcher's mitt yeah. or something because I don't know they were going they, in totally I, I, different directions at the start of the like they're being like blown apart from each other and it's just like I, I don't understand really yeah like they have to find them on the scanner to see where they're going and then then <laughs> uh, Travis is just like it. Eh, but got him. Yep. All right, we're good. Well, I mean, this, I don't know. the way you make this a part two is that one of them gets shot back into the minefield, and it's like to be continued, <laughs> and you have to navigate your way back into it. it it's a, it's a, I, that's all I could think about it. Like, I don't really, it just, it, it struck me as such a enterprise 
thing to do. And none of the other, I couldn't see that working on any of the other shows, even TOS. I would have a hard time believing that that would be the solution to their problem is to have right. Kirk surf an explosion back onto the Enterprise. Um, and I don't really like it. I, I just think that it it's one of those things like I'm willing to go so far and, you know, you buy transporters and you buy warp speed and you buy everyone speaking English, even though they're all different aliens and stuff. But them <sighs> surfing an explosion onto a ship is like Fast and the Furious level material. And right. it's like, this is not the franchise for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, I think that's another problem with this episode for me is there's not a satisfactory level of upping the stakes because he's he's tr- they're trapped to a bomb. I mean, there there is to a certain point. The bomb gets trapped to the hull. That's great. You already see that this thing can destroy, like legitimately destroy pieces of the enterprise which hilariously still hasn't killed anybody on the ship. i don't know how <laughs> they're way, they're saving that one up for a, a season end I, I guess yeah is there gonna just be like line up 15 of the crewmen up against the wall and just shoot them all for something like why is Eventually? this ship so big if no one is in any of these ro- what's going on in these rooms yeah <clears throat> understaffed apparently yeah um the uh so that that's cool you show what the mind can do then you got one stuck to the ship great malcolm has to go out and fix it the thing goes through his leg, sticks to the thing. That's great. So now you can't use the backup. That's great. Once Archer gets out there and they start dialing into the the bomb, you, there's no real upping of the stakes or the tension. All you have is the Romulans showing up, and they're fairly they're not really putting that much pressure on them. No, um, just like makes them leave. Like it makes yeah. them go through the minefield, which is. Which is only a problem in the abstract because Travis gets through it with no problem whatsoever. So there, there's no right. real out, there's no real sense of tension there because there's if those mountains had not been there at all, narratively it's the exact same story structure. It's right. just they they right. they move over yeah. a couple miles and they're out of it. Yeah, and then as they're going through disarming the bomb, nothing really moves tension wise, and then eventually they get to the end, and that secondary detonator goes charges up but even that it's just like oh turn the switch back off and then it'll stop you know it's like it's not really that much i guess it it puts something in their way because they can't obviously their goal is not attainable now so they have to come up with something else but it's blown it's not up really, either way yes yeah, this thing's gonna yeah, blow up you have to get rid of it. i don't i don't feel much tension because of that and it's like the thing that they do at the end is so ridiculous and feels like it's very much like a how do we get out of this situation with the last five minutes of our show left? And like you were saying about th- them being caught or whatever, I was thinking back to uh, Star Trek Into Darkness and that scene where they launch uh, Kirk and and Khan between the ships yeah. and they have to like follow the trajectory and Navigate stuff. Navigate the uh, debris field that's between right. them. Right. That's also fairly ridiculous, but they at least make a scene out of it yeah. and and raise the tension of the scene as they're going by like, you know, the thing hits his mask. And so he does, his trajectory is off and all that kind of shit. It's a very and small opening that they have to fit through. <laughs> right. You can see it coming. Yeah. yeah. So they, they just, they, they managed to ratchet up the tension within that scene. And obviously, like I said, you got five minutes left in your show. You got to wrap things up, but it's, I don't know. I, it's, it starts off really well, I think, but then, yeah, that middle part just drags. And, I don't really think the Romulans add much, honestly. No. Um, it's a, like it's I, strange I, to include them, really, to me. Like it's they, a what? 
it just feels it feels odd to include them and to make yeah. it obvious that it's the Romulans, like to to bring attention to the fact that this is the Romulans and you know, you we know canonically that they can't see them. We know mm-hmm. that they can't really learn that much about them. And at the same time, they don't even make them all that mysterious because they talk to them. So it's right. it's like there's it's they're following canon, but it's it's kind of like uh, this is kind of a blue reference, but it's like anal sex is not losing your virginity as a Christian or something like they they violated okay. the canon. They, they they violated the intent of what's going on here that the humans never spoke to the Romulans, but they they mm-hmm. followed it to the letter of the law by saying we've never looked at one of these guys before, right? You know, so it's yeah. It's the same thing. It's it's a different version of the Ferengi problem because this one feels a little bit more like they um this one feels almost more unnecessary that it's the Romulans in the first place. Mm. Because the um the Suliban cloak, don't they? We've seen the Suliban cloak the yeah, ships. I think so. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So I, I it's not like the minefield being invisible is a new cloak technology that the Enterprise is unfamiliar with, and it's because they've never mm-hmm. run into the Romulans and now they have. Um mm-hmm. So I just I didn't understand what the point of the Romulans being there were. Although I yeah. I love the ship design. The ships look cool. They, they look exactly like the balance of terror ships. But I I don't know what the point of them other than that is. Yeah. Um, it just uh, it could have been anybody. Um, I don't I don't think it adds anything to make them Romulans other than to to say hey look it's the Romulans. Um, I think that is. Yeah, I think it's similar to the Ferengi thing also arguably worse than the Ferengi thing because mm. it is not it doesn't matter to the story at all yeah and it doesn't matter to canon at all well i mean i guess maybe because they uh hoshi figures out how to speak romulan i mm-hmm. guess but i don't know yeah I, I, if they had played them a little bit more um mysterious that might have been cool like if they had done it uh if if you if they never even found out who they were or something, so like they don't they never talk to them, they just appear on screen in ships. So the people watching they go, oh shit, that's the Romulans. Yeah, but the Enterprise never doesn't know anything about them. They just know that they're stuck in this minefield, and these guys are shooting warning shots across their bow and stuff. I I thought um, I had I thought I had seen this episode, although I clearly hadn't, um, because. The setup for this one, I was surprised by the way the story goes because the setup for this one seems like they would discover themselves in a minefield and the the problem of the episode is how to get out of the minefield. You know, mm-hmm. so like they wander in, they somehow luckily thread the needle to get to the planet, but then they hit the first one and they're like, what the hell's going on? And I was surprised I was surprised by that that the the plot didn't go the way I expected because they uncover the mines immediately. It's not like they hit another one second like you know it's they don't say like let's get the hell out of here and they turn the ship around and they go back and they hit another mine and then they realize what's going on at that point. Right. They mm-hmm. hit one and they uncover it and then the Romulans show up. In my mind's eye the Romulan cloaked ship is there but the Enterprise never sees it. Like the, as a viewer mm-hmm. we cut to the ship or something where we see the Romulan ship just kind of hovering cloaked or something like we're you know sure. we're, we're able to see it or something and that connects it to us that this is a romulan thing that's going on and the romulans are just observing them but they they don't do that they discover the mines the romulans give them a kick in the ass to cause them to have to leave the minefield mm. and the romulan the romulans also just continue to not make any sense because once the enterprise is left 
the Romulans are only there to cause them to have to get Mal to get Reed off the ship because they're like, you're not leaving fast enough. Like, we're going to shoot you. You need to right. leave faster than this. Right. And there's no real good narrative reason as to why that's the case, other than you need to do the sequence at the end where Reed gets off the ship and it blows up or whatever, or the the thing blows up. Yeah. There was, um, did you happen to watch Lovecraft Country on HBO? No. No. Well, there's a, there's a sequence in that, sh- in that episode where it's this, this, uh, black family is is in this uh sundown town which means you know they, they it's run by racist white people and if there are any black people and they're in the town after the sun goes down then they are uh it's open season on, mm-hmm. on them and so they get run into by this cop who informs them that the county is is the sundown county and that they need to be out of the county by the time the sun goes down but they can't speed to get out of they've got seven minutes to get across county lines but they can't speed otherwise they'll get pulled over and because this, this, nice, this cop is tailing them i'm assuming yes so, yeah. yeah and it's this nice tense scene because they're get they have to drive 25 miles an hour as you see the sun going down <laughs> the cock come out. so many school but, zones on this route so many goddamn school zones <laughs> well but the thing i found myself thinking was if this guy's gonna stop at the county lines just gun it like what what's right. he gonna do he's he can't follow he can't arrest you over county lines anyway yeah obviously easy for me to say given the situation mm-hmm. but uh that was one of those things where I, where it seems similar to this where it's like well there's there these guys are only there to push them out sort of like artificially push them out um to force I, the I'm issue sh- yeah to, to yeah like, to force the yeah. issue and, and create this tension it works a lot better in lovecraft country than it does in this mm-hmm. yeah yeah cool show weird show yeah, I I think that's the it's another it's a kind of a continuing trope of Enterprise. Enterprise does that quite frequently where it will artificially increase the drama uh because it doesn't really the episode itself doesn't seem to know what the conflict is that's really driving everything and like mm-hmm. you know if the the reason it's surprising is because if Malcolm and Reed are, are if Malcolm and Archer are out there talking about this stuff as the ship is navigating out of a minefield and that's the drama attached to it. I just feel that there's like, there's more space there to do something with those two, as opposed to having the Romulans artificially speed the whole process up, like to the point where it it just becomes, there's no room for character work there because the Romulans are forcing you to have to uh, stick to this plan that I don't know Mm -hmm. if you really are like ready to arrive at or whatever. I would have, what, uh, Sorry, go ahead. I, I just would have... I, I think there's more interesting drama in being stuck in the minefield. Like, they, they can mm. also be, have this mine attached to the ship that Reed has to go out and fix, but I, I like the idea of just being stuck in this thing that they can't get out of very easily. You know, it, it just... It feels like they... It just feels like a strange half measure to go where they did in the in this one. What's the... Is, is it a Star Trek movie... Where there's a, a a minefield full of magnetic mines, and they end up blowing the ship up by like slingshotting the magnetic mines into the other guy's ship. Uh, well, there's the drones and beyond. That's not what you're thinking of, right? I I don't think that's what I'm thinking. No, I mean I'm discovery. Sure, dis, does discovery do something? No, I'm pretty sure they. Were, I think it was a Star Trek thing, show or movie, where it was a it was a minefield full of magnetic mines that were sticking to the hull yep and so what they end up doing is dragging or maybe was it was it orville it wasn't the orville was it, it might have been orville it might have been was it orville where they, they end up like dragging orville. the yeah. mines behind it and then they do like a sharp turn and like whiplash right. all the mines into the other ship 
It sounds like familiar, there, but I can't pin it. Yeah. Yeah, whatever whatever that was, whatever it was that did it. It's like there you've got some added tension from the mines because they're actively coming at the ship. It's not just a matter of like working its way out. But yeah, that's that takes the focus off of the the smaller problem and puts it on the on the larger problem. But yeah, you would think I I don't see why flying through a minefield couldn't have been a good tension ratchet up to go on on top of this thing that they're doing because now yeah if you've got them trying to defuse this bomb while they are now you know traversing through this minefield in a in a in a uh uh fairly frantic way to get out yeah uh so you've got them like you know I, I don't know how much bouncing around they'd be doing because it's space, but at least having stuff like flying by right. them and whatnot, just to, just to make it seem like the tension was higher. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I suppose to be fair, you have to cause a reason for the ship to move in either case, right? Either story. Wait, like if you, I think it might be Galaxy Quest. Oh, I think Galaxy Quest. That might be how they defeat the bad guy in Galaxy Quest. Is the mine they slingshot the mines into the ship? That makes I, sense. I, I Where are the mines from in Galaxy Quest? I can't remember why I there would be remember. mines. Yeah, I don't remember either. Uh, for for either please, case of the story, please tell us whoever I'm sure knows and <laughs> is screaming Quest. at their at their computer. For um, for either one of those stories, I, I understand that you kind of need the Enterprise to move because or uh, something because the Enterprise otherwise would just sit parked, deal with this mine that's on itself, and then you would sort of navigate your way out. I guess you'd get around this by like the minefield is sort of randomly moving. And like they they mm. can't stay there because they'll get hit eventually, and they need to sort of push the issue or something. But it's a it's a relatively minor change, I suppose. Yeah. I what I like about this episode was I um I like I like the cold open into the whole mine is attached to the ship. Like I, I really like the setup for what's going on here in terms of like finding this mm. planet and then discovering that there are mines all around you. Uh, I thought that seeing the ship get actually like damaged was kind of neat and I know nobody mm-hmm. dies but it's still kind of a neat thing to see on a series like this and up till the reveal of the Romulans I think everything is kind of fine I think even the initial reveal of the Romulans is okay but they don't really have anything else to do with them so I I, I feel like in in uh, comparison to like other episodes in the first season where I didn't think it were quite as good I thought this concept was strong like there was something mm. really here to do with it I'm just, I'm really, if if the story was being pitched to you and then the writer's like, yeah, and then we spend a good 20 minutes with Malcolm and Archer on the hull. It's like, why? Like, wh- right. what, what, yeah. why, why are we doing that? What's the point of, what's the point of that? Like, what's the problem there? And the writer will say, you know, reads kind of negative. It's like, I don't think this is good. I don't think this is going to work. You need to give Archer a gun or something. Like, needs, there needs to be something He needs there. to turn five dials exactly 70 degrees <laughs> while also having a conversation with the most boring man on the ship it's, it writes itself it's um enterprise does that though it's desert crossing right it's the desert crossing mm. idea of them being in a dangerous situation will definitely convey that this is good and worth watching and yeah i'm really like with the pedigree of the show writers and some of the writers who are working on this you would just think they would know better uh, mm. at this point. It's it's just curious. I don't know if you have any thoughts about why, un- unless you think that we're just missing the point of what's going on out there. But again, I don't think Reed shows you anything, really. Like yeah. nothing touching about that. There's no there's no sympathetic moment where you go like, oh, damn, Reed, I feel bad. Like I understand why you're such an asshole, I guess, but you don't get that. He just wasn't allowed to be in the Navy or he was scared of being in the Navy. Yeah, I... 
it does have the same problem that Desert Crossing has, where you've got this opportunity with these two characters to use this situation they're in as the uh, environment or the or the framing device for a character piece. Um, whether it's a conflict that they, that they have being resolved or a singular character working out some stuff and growing in some way. And um, they just don't do it. There's no change in, in, in Malcolm by the end of this thing. And I can't figure out why they do that. Yeah. Um, because like, like I said before, it's like, it's not, you're not learning anything about Reed other than it's all surface level it's stuff. Adi- it's additional details. It's not like it's right, a tremendous right. insight into him. Yeah. Right. And I think it's, it's really strange that they have this character that they specifically are, are writing as aloof. And any time that they try to, to, to drag him in, all you get is just more surface level stuff that doesn't get you any, like they always do these stories that seem like the intent is to give you a more insight into this aloof character, but it ultimately doesn't because he doesn't change. And the stuff you learn about him is, is ultimately just surface level stuff. Like he likes pineapple and he's afraid of water yep. and he's got uh, everybody in his family was, a uh, was a, in the Navy except for him. Cause only likes his water in a freshly ripe pineapple. The, the, right. the, the, yes. the watery, the fruit, the better it is, but just doesn't want yeah. to drown in it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I'm not sure what's holding them back and why. I mean, what what they... part of this is Archer's fault? Where Archer's characterization, Archer is just the steady good guy rock. You know, mm-hmm. like when he's out there, he's just like, "We're going to get through this, Malcolm. Let me let me turn this dial." Like honestly, a bit. honestly, what it needs, I think, is if you're going to play it this way, I think it needs Archer to snap at him like maybe halfway through where because all of his all of the stuff that he does when when uh reed starts you know pulling the tube out of the back of his helmet and shit <laughs> trying to kill himself like like all it's all like we're gonna get through this you're not going down with the ship you know you, you you're gonna be the person that your uncle was you know it's it's all very positive and and uh af- affirmative, affirmative stuff yeah. There's no point where Archer is just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, why, why you you've offered no solutions? All you're doing is just feeling sorry for yourself. You're you you feeling sorry for yourself isn't heroic. You're just a tr- you're just delaying getting everybody else on the ship killed. Like, yeah. there's no point where there's any sort of uh, narrative break where a c- conflict between the two happens. It's all just the same energy and the same. Um, dramatic tone through the entire thing and like and i think because archer is so even keel i think it would have been interesting to have him snap at archer because it's like have him snap at reed you mean i have i'm sorry yes have have archer snap at reed because then you get some interesting new stuff from archer which also gives you interesting new stuff from reed you know like it's instead of just fucking story time on the hull of the ship which i i honestly i was trying to I was trying to give this episode the benefit of the doubt. And like as like I said, going into it, I was like, okay, I'm into this. I like this th- thing. And then they get to that part in the middle. And I I I was watching it actively going, okay, I'm really paying attention to this. Mm-hmm. And I really don't want to. Yeah. Like I I it's like it's really it's it's not me that's it that's just 
getting bored with the show or in, right. a, in a larger sense. It's just a boring middle of an episode yeah. that ultimately doesn't serve much at all. Yeah. No, it, it definitely is. It's funny because I did the same exact thing where I was like, I'm going to like do like the meditative trick. Like I'm just going to focus on what the words and right. these characters are yeah. saying. And it's just like, there's nothing. Like I, did, I actually did. I actually did. I, I got my iPad. I'm taking notes and I got my phone there. I put them both further away from me because I'm like, nope, I need to focus on this because <laughs> this is usually the part of the episode where I start to zone out. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just like really listening to this story that Reed's telling. And by the end, I'm like, that that wasn't worth it. Right. Because, well, the concern there is that you're like, this is just poorly directed and not holding my attention in a visual manner. But if I were to mm-hmm. listen to the dialogue, maybe there's something right. going on here that I'm actually right. missing. It's really not the case, unfortunately. No. Like, it's just... It's not the, it's not a matter of the direction not doing anything to keep you entertained in a visual way. It's just that they're not they're not talking about anything. Like the yeah. honestly the there was more insight into them through the World Cup discussion than there is about <laughs> them being pinned by the mind to the thing discussion. Like you at least get a little bit of um where Archer zigs Reed zags in the the mm-hmm. World Cup thing and I don't know. It it, it it's doesn't like, work that way. Reed's characterization is is like a less interesting Egon Spengler mm-hmm. because you know like in Ghostbusters two when they're when they're going through the baby's room and uh, and they're talking about toys Ray's like you didn't have any toys and Egon says I had half of a slinky but I straightened it <laughs> you know like yeah. that's that's interesting and and a fun insight into how much of a weird wet blanket this guy is yeah. Reed just talking about how he doesn't follow football is not particularly interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Follows it enough to call it football, though. He does. Yeah, he's he's not going to betray his heritage uh, and call it soccer or anything like that. And I, I, I'm honestly getting tired of his aloof acting. Yep. Because it always uh, did. You, what did you did you call him like? borderline autistic or something earlier yeah when he when he doesn't understand i can i consider him borderline autistic when he seems to be so aloof that he does not understand how other people are emoting at him or like what the appropriate yeah. response is to other people's emotions yeah like that scene the, the opening scene the cold open with archer was like you know it's like he says do you want eggs and his response is like huh yeah well, i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry sir what like yeah. he's it's they're trying to play him like he's they're trying to play him like he's his mind is constantly on other stuff. Yeah. But it comes across as him just like not computing anything. Yeah. And it's just it, it's a it's a tiring characterization. Yeah. It's 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 a weird mismatch. Like maybe it's a good acting job, but the um Dominic Cading, who plays that character, is in the uh I've seen interviews with him, he's in the oral history. He's very funny. Like he he's a very mm-hmm. like funny actor, and it's just the character that they're asking him to play is just none of that stuff. And it, it just feels mm. like you're trying to jam a square peg into a round hole or something. Like, it's Yeah, like he just, seems like he's got a lot of personality. Yeah. Just re- um, rewrite which is funny. at that point. Yeah, which is funny because if, if you look at, say, Data, right? Brent Spiner is a ham and a half. Like, mm. that dude has a ton of personality. And he's playing this character who is supposed to have no personality for, you know, for argument's sake. But he manages to infuse his personality into this character with no personality by being that good at like the character that he's built. Yeah, um, I don't think Malcolm has managed to do that. No. Or, uh, what's his name? Dominic Keating. Keating. Yeah, I think it's Keating. Yeah, 
yeah, I don't think he's managed to figure that out yet because Malcolm is pretty dry. Yeah. Just a really poorly drawn character, I think. Like, just not, nothing, nothing. The actor doesn't match the role. The role doesn't mm-hmm. match the characterization you'd expect from it. The like the nothing nothing really aligns with him, which is he's too bad. he's all trombone, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Wah, wah. Like you, know, you, well that, but I meant specifically <laughs> Star Trek wise. Like remember, like when when Riker gets the trombone. Oh sure, you've already established who Riker is as a, as a, as a character. So by the time you get into this like detail stuff that that uh, Frakes probably brought in himself it's yeah. like oh okay i know who Riker is it's also fun to learn that he plays the trombone here it's all trombone because you're getting oh he likes pineapple oh he's got a fear of water it's all this uh ancillary or uh, uh detail stuff yeah. that isn't building on the character because the character itself is just a blank page yeah 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 it's 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 too bad let's say oh, i guess we'll call it there let's take a break we'll play a clip from the episode and then we will come back and read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about Minefield. According to his lieutenant, my great uncle sealed himself in the engine room and kept the reactor online long enough for his crew to make it to the escape pods. He went down with his ship. He did what he had to do to save his crew. I appreciate what you're trying to tell me, Malcolm. But I was hoping you'd be able to save your heroics for another time. I just want you to know, sir, that I am prepared. Got you. If we're not able to defuse this mine, the safety of the crew... I said I heard you, Lieutenant. All right, everybody. So thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the content today. If you did, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file and support the show there. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. And as always, I guess you get, I could detail what you get. You get extra podcasts, you get extra behind the scenes stuff. You get uh, access to the polls that choose what we talk about. And as always, our captain tier supporters get a special thank you. Special thanks goes to Christian Pouch. Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Kyle Barrett, Sam McCuster, Matt Ross, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cherlog, Grim Santo, Matt Cutler, Dwayne Hackett, Sean, Jordan Cooper, Russell Oates, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, David Beardmore, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Courier 6, Jacob123, Matt Houston, Mike Harris, Point Extra G, Nick Sergi, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Antoine, Bradley Killens, Corey Martin, Woodrow, Rune Venler, William Scheisler, and Timothy Cooley. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. I hope that you are pinned to our hull and you don't go anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> so, um, and if you are, shut up about yeah, it. <laughs> stop bitching about it. Um, that's it. I guess we'll go to patron thoughts at this point. Uh, I was considering. I, I'm considering. Uh, we're not. We don't have to do it now. I am considering shifting the our like final sign off to this point in the podcast, just to let everyone know what's going on, just so that. Um, when the podcast ends, I don't know how far you go into like when YouTube rewards watching to the end of things, right? So I was wondering, do you have to? Does that mean that YouTube wants you to front load stuff so that when it's like I give it a three, Clay gives it a two, bye, and that that's the end of the thing. Like it keeps everyone right there to the end. Maybe that's a little bit too behind the scenes or whatever. But I can I can I say uh, I hate the thing that YouTube does where it overlays links over like the last five seconds of the video because 
nine times out of ten, the videos don't have any like extra lead time. So I've I've watched plenty of videos where it's like the thing that I want to hear them talk about or see is in those last few seconds, and it's just like, oh, you know, it, yeah, it's it's like the fuck they they just want get, you to put an overlay you know instead of we don't yeah. I don't do it I, I don't put an overlay at the end of anything so it, i hate it when they do that yeah it's it's tough um because because it's like how many how many different ways can they come up with to get you to click on like they've already got autoplay they've yeah. already got suggested videos on the side no one clicks like, those it, end things either like it, it's a very yeah. small number of people who actually do it so i, I don't know if it's worth it i i don't um I do it just to have them, but it's more like just a force mm. of habit. I don't know if it's completely necessary, but you it's like one out of every 500 views gives you a click on that thing. It's not particularly worth it. And like, I, I don't mind. I actually don't mind it like at the end when it gets to the end of the video and then there's a couple things there after the video is stopped, but putting them over the video as it's still playing is just obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, let's go to patron comments about this one. So if you're a patron, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them. Minefield here. Matt Ross says, get out of the way, bubble. One of the retcons that made a thousand fans scream at their TVs in the Trek BBS, once you get past the cloaking device issues, it's a perfectly okay story. Reed is right and whiny that Archer is too familiar with the crew, although breakfast with a senior staff is a good idea, so Reed definitely needs to take that rod out of his ass. I also don't know if you want a loner, depressed guy in charge of the weapons. The idea of the mines and the damage the ship takes here actually feels real. The way to hide from an explosion, not so much. You have an extra sentence, is, Matt, but I only read five sentences, so I'm not going <laughs> to read that. Just punish you. How is this a retcon? Just because they encounter the Romulans before? Yeah. I, uh, would you consider that a retcon? To I guess I, I don't know if I would consider it a retcon. Well. Because by balance of terror, they're aware of the Romulans, right? They just have never seen them? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, I don't really know if. If I would call this a retcon. Yeah, I guess to be a retcon, you'd have to go back and change something about continuity. This just adds a <laughs> level of detail about the continuity, I suppose. Right. Um, the bigger, well, so is, th- is this a retcon <laughs> that post Balance of Terror, it became canon that the Earth Earth and Romulus were had a war against each other pre Balance of Terror. Oh, I see. Which is post this. Quick war. I don't know. Quick war. Yeah. They, the, everyone's very upset that Enterprise ended before uh, the Romulan War could start. They thought mm. that that was a place where Enterprise could go in its fifth season. Uh, we'll see. It obviously doesn't. Alex Martin says, <laughs> Minefield. That was fast. One of my favorite episodes of early season two, but to be honest, I don't really know why. Maybe it's the Romulan cameo, albeit screwing with Cannon in a pretty horrific way, that scratches an itch, or maybe it's the thrill of Mayweather's riveting piloting skills. I enjoy the continuity into the next episode in particular. The Rubik's Cube style mind deactivation is also just a little bit tedious in rewatch, but I enjoyed the conversation between the characters. Three jettisoned whole plates out of five. Next comment is. Thomas Darnell says, I like this episode as a kind of meta look at the series where Reed straight up calls Archer out while Archer is making a bad decision, and Archer just continually makes it worse until he somehow wriggles off the hook. This is the best look at Malcolm as a character, I think, and one of the uh, and one of the better at Archer. I mean, removing the whole plating is by a wide margin a better plan than sending a senior officer out to defuse an unfamiliar explosive, but they sell the bad decision for what it is. I only wish Paul or Hoshi had recognized Romulan as a reminiscent as reminiscent of Vulcan somehow, but maybe it would have been too much i give it a four i'm interested that people are seeing this as a good exploration of malcolm as a character Mm -hmm. because i 
don't personally think that it is. Well, Thomas's take here is interesting that it's Archer's making a bad decision. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't feel that way during it. I I kind of thought this was the what's their rationale for they don't want to just deplete the the hull. They have some reason why um, they don't want to do it because it would ex- it would expose like the impulse drive or right. something. Right. Yeah. And that is that's just danger because of the Romulans, I guess, or is that uh, just yeah, they could fly into space it, dust and blow up or something? Sure, all of the above. Because I, it's just a, it's like a, it's like driving with the hood off your car. I guess it's not yeah. something that you you can do it, but it's not great. I, I mean, I guess that's that's another reason why they have the Romulans there, right? Because if it's just a pl- detaching the hull, there's no real danger. They could sit there and kind of fix it over the course of that. Like they could let that one go, let it float away, and then put a new hull plate on top of it to mm-hmm. protect it. So I guess it's that. I just Thomas's point is interesting. I just I don't think it's an Archer. Ba- I don't think this is a bad decision by Archer in this episode. Actually, I kind of think he does everything pretty competently. Mm. Uh, what's the next one? There it is. Sorry, that's not it. Uh, Latte Librarian says, this Malcolm Reed episode would have been more interesting if Malcolm Reed wasn't such a drip. I always like seeing Hoshi shown as competent and useful for more than just the universal translator, though. The Romulans being Romulans was completely unnecessary for this plot, so why did it happen? Also, you'd think spacesuits would be designed so you could go to the bathroom in them, at least number one, two shuttle pod doors out of five. Yeah, like you've got... It's an interesting uh, contrast when you've got Hoshi who's just been blown up and has a concussion and she's still getting back onto the bridge to so she or trying to get back to the bridge so she can help yeah. decipher <laughs> Romulan and then you've got Malcolm Reed just like fainting on a couch yeah. on on top of the uh, on on the hull. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they should have paired those two characters. Like that's the Hoshi's yeah. go gung ho attitude is what should have been paired off against Reed and that or something. Sure, why not? Point extra G says I like the attempts to flesh out Malcolm's character a bit, but those attempts show how little development there has been with him. The story would probably have more impact if we cared about the character more and if there were any real stakes. We know that Malcolm was never going to die, and that's not there's not enough meat on this story to get past that. Also, this is one of Enterprise's better uses uses of the teaser. I agree with that. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good goal. Yeah, it actually, it actually hooks you. Yeah. Usually they don't. What could it be? And they're usually really short. Kyle Barrett says, Minefield, it begins poorly with Archer saying he doesn't know what Malcolm wants for breakfast when that's literally the only thing he does know about him. However, <laughs> Minefield, turn, Minefield turns out to be surprisingly good. We get the first tease of the Romulans, actual insight into Malcolm, a new perspective on Archer, and the welcome addition of X-Files scribe John Sheban to the writer's room. When Malcolm dreamed... Uh, when Malcolm dreamed of being penetrated by a long pole, this isn't exactly what he had in mind. And blood definitely wasn't the bodily fluid he fantasized about running down his leg afterwards. Four new cerulean blue uniforms out of five. You didn't mention the new uniforms. I'm surprised. You usually I are on top of that. I didn't stuff. even notice. Honestly, they're wearing lighter blue. To- a lighter blue. It's <clears throat> the first time they're doing. I'll have to go back and look again. Uh, that's it. Thank you for the long pole. Neil Brennan says, Minefield, Malcolm doesn't like football. You're welcome for that one, Kyle. (laughs) uh, Minefield from Neil Brennan. Malcolm doesn't like football. What happened? Did he play against Worf? I liked this a lot. Four British submariners afraid of water out of five. Um, Hmm. Do the British say submariner instead of submariner? What would you say? Submariner? I've always said submariner. Just because of the comic Uh, character? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. Uh, Let's Um, see. I think they say yeah, submariner. I, I would say submariner, I think, which is wrong. But they don't pronounce submarine as submarin, do they? No, because marine is the proper pronunciation of that. 
marine biologist, right. submarine. So why is it Mariner? Sub Submariner just sounds cooler. It does sound cooler, yeah. And it's also it's the Seattle Mariners, not the Mariners, right? Mariners, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Let's get a little bit of consistency with this uh, English language, people. <laughs> Captain Brazen says, Minefield, read Trapped by Space Mine. Romulans are here because great self-sealing suit. An average three unnecessary uses of the Romulans out of five. Rune Vendler says, England reaching the World Cup final breaks all suspension of disbelief. Malcolm is such a boring <laughs> character even when he's speaking truth to power. Why make the aliens Romulans if you're not going to do anything with it? Hoshi is once again reduced to the human universal translator. Since we know that Malcolm isn't going to die, the episode has to be about the cost of a resolution, but as too often with this show, there is no cost. Two out of five. Mm. Uh, Yarpy says, Minefield, one of the strongest episodes of Enterprise's first two seasons, and they do a better job to keep the canon intact than they did with the Ferengi. The story plot itself isn't amazingly unique or creative, but the execution is very good. The designers also did a very good job with the Romulan chip. It looks very Romulan. Four Romulan ales out of five. Woodrow with the last comment says, the fact that the Enterprise was saved because the Temporal Cold War forced Daniels to improve its sensors makes me wonder if the Suleban Cabal's hollow man really is Archer. He certainly hates the... Okay, yeah. He certainly hates the Tandarans enough to be Cabal leader, and let's face it, the Hindenburg planet was always doomed to explode. This episode is... Is this the right episode that he's talking about? This episode is basically Desert Crossing without the Clancy Brown effect. Make that a low two out of five. You labeled it. I, I was wondering if he was talking about Shockwave Part 2 there for a second. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Woodrow, for your comment on that one. Thank you, all the patrons, very much, for your comments and your ratings. We had a split there, a lot of fours and a lot of twos, which is yeah. kind of neat. Um, Interesting. You're giving it a five, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming. Outside of, oh, the, yeah. outside of that 20-minute stretch in the middle, this is a perfect episode of Star Trek. Um, no, I... Uh, um, <clears throat> I, I yeah I think if it wasn't for that middle part I, I I I wanted to actually give this a four yeah like going into it I was like oh this is actually it's a good episode like the setup is really great you know the stuff that's going on is cool uh, Romulans whatever it works um, but yeah that stuff it just ultimately the meat isn't there for me you uh, know and when it's and it's like it's right it should be it's right there on the plate yeah. you know they're just not choosing to eat it yeah. Um, also, I kind of wish that they had <laughs> part of me was thinking like they wish they should have gone like double meaning with the term minefield and had Archer be like, so Reed, where do you stand on the abortion debate? <laughs> <laughs> just get just really get into the weeds of controversial topics. Not a big fan of small um, talk, Malcolm. Let's uh, let's talk about <laughs> women's right to choose. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to give it a three cause I think it's, I think it's got a lot of good stuff in it. It's probably, it probably has, I'd say it's got a lot of the stuff that enterprise does really well, but I think it all is hindered by the stuff that it consistently doesn't do well. Yeah. yeah I think you dropped me, out a little anyway. bit. What, what did you give it? A three? A three. Yeah. A three. I think I'll give it a two because I think the first 10 minutes are really excellent. It's a long stretch of not being very good. And then yeah. it ends on kind of a bizarre resolution. Um, I think it would be a three if the worst thing it had going for it was that middle spot where nothing really happened. Mm. And then if the resolution kind of made sense, I go, okay, that's that's acceptable to me. But I think the just the fact that it ends so surfing a fireball like back yeah. on the ship, I just really don't like that. Um, 
Not a big fan. I'm going to give it a two. It's a strong two. I really like the idea. And I, I wish that this was better than it is, but I I, did, I'm going to give it a two. I did actually, when they when they brought up the thing about the the, the shuttle bay doors or whatever, I was doing the, I was like doing the narrative math in my head, and I was like, they're not going to blow the thing up and then propel themselves back to the ship because they're behind <laughs> bomb-proof door up. That's exactly what they're going to do. I, yep. Yeah, I read it as um, he wanted them to fly a shuttle out that they could jump to or something, and then the shuttle that would, would be able to... That would make more sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I <don't... laughs> Why didn't Tripp say that? He's like, you know, the entire shuttle is made out of the same stuff the doors are. <laughs> It's the it's the uh, discovery door. The explosion just stops at that door. It blows up the rest of the sh- the saucer section, but it, sh- it stops at the door. Yeah, like on it, now that you say that, why didn't they come up with that like twenty minutes earlier? If they had just a sh- if they had a shuttle that was ready, so they could very quickly cut the thing and then jump in the shuttle. Yeah. No problem. Or just have the shuttle tie a rope to them, you know, and pull them pull yeah. them out of there. And then sure, then be- <laughs> all of these options make sense. <laughs> All right, I guess that's it. Or, or, what? Oh, I guess they only t- so. They guess they had to be off the ship before they could cut the thing because the detonation. Yeah, no. Either way, yeah. Just put a big. They have the grabby thing, right? Yeah, the grabber. Yeah, just hook them onto the grabber. Mm-hmm. Shoot the Romulans with the grabber. Uh, all right, I guess that's it, guys. Thank you very much. I'm going to give it a two. Clay gives it a three. Listeners are split between fours and twos is interesting and uh, i guess that's pretty much it for minefield we'll be back with i think dead stop is the next episode support the show at patreon.com slash the penske valley if you want to do that otherwise i think that's it clay do you have anything you want to say uh we've got uh what day is this coming out we've got um rotten horror picture show came out recently we cover carrie which was uh which is a good one haven't watched that one in a while Um, that one's out now and then badass is coming out wednesday Right, which will finally be for real this time, bullet for bullock and trial. Mm-hmm. You started season three of Badass on the last one. You kind of split the the episode as one season one and or it's you started season two. Season two, oh, yeah. yes, yeah. It's uh, it's a split between the original sixty five or sixty three episode run and the uh, the second season, which I believe was like twenty episodes. Yeah, that's uh, actually so moving at a pretty good clip. Like that, you're almost done with the the animated episodes. Yeah, we've got. Um, I think we're about half, three quarters, or maybe a little more than halfway, three quarters of the way done with season three mm. by our by our season count. Um, and then, yeah, we've got season four, and then uh, we most likely will be moving on to Batman Beyond after that. That's it. Badass and Run Horror can be found at thepenskefile.com. You can subscribe there, and it's on the YouTube channel if you want to watch them there. I guess that's pretty much it. Cool, guys. Thank you very much for listening to Minefield. We'll be back with Dead Stop. In the meantime, check out our Lower Decks coverage, which comes out on the Fridays, and this comes out on Tuesdays. So thank you very much for, uh, for listening. And Who's will, to say? Who's to say? Time is, time is meaningless. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to open the Google calendar for this. All right, guys. I'll have, tell you, you know, the only thing that's keeping me going through this completely like lost summer is the fact that uh, Oktoberfest beers come out in the next like three weeks mm-hmm. if they're not already out now. And it's the it's like the uh, after a summer of just like staying indoors and not going anywhere and and realizing how oppress uh, oppressive the 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 season really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's the only thing I'm looking forward to for the fall, which is 
going to be more of the same, it seems. More staying and staying at home and not doing anything. Yep. But at least not sweaty. At least not I can sweaty. wear lederhosen in my own house and and drink a brown beer. I have to reseed the lawn, and I'm actually looking forward to it. So, f yeah. me, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's a, I just like the. Uh, I think mid August to mid October is like. This is New the England. point where we put those those things. This up, is the banner. The I'm, so trying, I'm trying to get the last. Yeah, you don't seconds. have to click. You don't have to listen to the shit. Mid mid August <laughs> to mid October is like peak New England weather. I think it's like our best stretch that we have. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. warm days, cool nights, and it, it occasionally rains. Like you get rain every once in a while mm. instead of just no rain. Uh, then we get two two weeks of a really nice fall, and then it's twenty degrees for like five months, mm-hmm. and we're off back to. Surge number two, I suppose. All right, guys. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back with Dead Stop. See ya.